Imagine if your boss came to you and threatened to take away your job if you didn't stop going to church. Brother Infu is the pastor of an unregistered church in China. He says that kind of employment-based persecution is happening all the time. Some of our members, uh, their bosses have come to them if they work for the national, with the government, and they work for big uh, schools and universities. They already told them, uh, you don't go to church. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't go with those religion people. Or else, they just leave it as it is. Or else, they get the point. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. A couple years ago, we had a guest and had an interview that I recorded inside China. Today, we have a guest, the same guest, but we're not in China. We're in our studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. We're not going to tell you his real name. We're simply going to call him Brother Enfu, as we did last time. Enfu is the Chinese word for blessing. So you can think of him and pray for him as Brother Blessing or Brother Enfu. Welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for having me here. It is nice to have you on on this side of the ocean this time. Let's talk about the church in China. You you pastor an unregistered church in China. Every time you yes. meet together, it's illegal. Yes. What is going on for churches like yours in China? Because we've talked about the fact that it's gotten worse. The government is cracking down. What does that mean for you and for your church? A lot of churches, house churches, uh, in the size of 70 to 200 plus people attending on a Sunday, majority of them have broken into smaller groups. So example, it's a partner church, has about 200 attendees on a Sunday, broken into six groups in a home. So they had to do that now. That was sort of to make sure there wouldn't be problems. It wasn't necessarily after problems. Am I right about that? Or or they saw other churches that had problems and said, hey, we better do this. This particular church was forced. Ah. They had an official letter, and the letter says that this is illegal. You need to cease on Sunday gathering, and therefore they have they are forced into the underground. So literally now they're called underground church. Because <laughs> before they were not called underground because of all the, they are renting from the office building and everything. But now they are literally forced and now they go to the house. Therefore, they're called house churches. Historically, they meet in the homes, house churches. Then they somehow got above ground meeting in uh, restaurants and public places. Now they're forced again. So for this particular church, they got shut down. And then the fire truck came, the police came, the whole city came to shut them down. Now they meet in homes. Now, when when they get a letter like that, does it specifically talk about religion? You're doing religious activities, or do they say you're causing a traffic jam, or you're you know you didn't meet the fire code, or something like that? So this particular church, I love this senior pastor and the elders and the team and the members there. Godly pastor. The church is an example to many people in the region. 
So we are very close, our church and that church, this particular church. But that church just happened, this problem. The police came in, gave them a few reasons why they need to be shut down. Number one, they took him in, the senior pastor, for interrogation. He's too influential because <laughs> his message uh -huh. has been influencing people. Number two, it's too big. They got 200 people attending. And he's also, a, they call him a very uh, uh, influential man and very influential in terms of changing people, the city. So they say, you need to be shut down. And therefore, he's hostile to the city, to the government. Interesting. The, the good news is the gospel is changing a city in China. It's not just the Christians that are saying that. The, the government, the police are coming in and saying, wait a minute, you're changing our city. The gospel is changing our city. So that's good news, but obviously it comes with persecution. What are the challenges of that? The, the one that comes immediately to my mind is if we were meeting at one place, we had one leader. Now we're meeting at six places. We need six leaders. Is, is that a challenge or are there leaders that are ready to step into those roles? So like this church and our church, we believe that one church, one location, no multi-site. And the reason is this, that we believe that we want to shepherd the people. We want to shepherd the people. We want to see them weekly, three, four times. So we disciple them. They know the pastor. They know the elders, who they are. So this is good. This is a local church uh, ecclesiology. This is very good. Then when the government forces, we have to be divided. Now that poses a problem because then do we have enough men to lead the church? That's always a challenge. We have not enough uh, men who are well trained in the scripture to do expository preaching. So what do we do now? So now we force the men. So, so in our church, we have a weekly training for men expository pre preaching to train them to preach the Word of God. Now, it's, a ve it's very intensive. They've they, they already gone through uh, four years training, and now they go through a very intensive preaching. They have to read a book, one book, one week, preach a sermon, serve in the church, and they have full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. And they have to do that because now is the time you do it. Is there a sense of uh, willingness among the men? Because you're stepping into a leadership role of an illegal activity. The government is cracking down on the very activity that you're doing right now. Do the men in the church understand very clearly? I, you know, I, I'm being trained to go to jail. I'm being trained to do something that could lead me to be separated from my family. How do, how do they respond to that? Yeah, historically in that culture, in our culture as Chinese, uh, the mothers, the women run the house. The women run everything. So it's almost like the lion, uh, uh, like the lion family, lion and the lioness. The lion, the male, he's the figurehead. He's the king of the jungle. <laughs> and then the female lioness, they go out and hunt. They do all the work. They bring the food back and then the lion goes out and eat the food. But then he, he, he's a figurehead. In Chinese culture, it's something similar. But in our church, we want to make sure, and in our partner churches all across, we want to make sure that the men are not just figurehead, they're a real servant, following the steps of Christ, and then they serve the church. So it's very difficult we want, because the men, have, they have to work. One-child policy, now two-children two policy. So they have to support the family, and they have to support both sides, the wife's family mm -hmm. and their children. So it's hard on the men to work and serve. I totally understand the culture. So now we have to help the men to understand biblically what men, men, men of God are supposed to do. They are supposed to lead the church, lead their family. And it's encouraging to see out of these men, 
only maybe one or two that finds it very stressful, but the rest of the men find this. This is what I'm supposed to do. Only if they know the gospel. See, all hinges on the gospel. If they truly believe they're converted and they're regenerated, I'm a child of God, then I am to serve God. And if the elder says, now's the time for me to lead a church, I will follow what the elders have commissioned me to do. So it's encouraging, very encouraging to see as an elder, a pastor of a church, very encouraging to see men stepping up, obeying scripture and doing it. Being, I think the Bible says, equipped for works of service. You're Ephesians 4. Equipping people to to live out the gospel in, in their context, in their family, in their neighborhood, in their workplace. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Enfu. He is the leader of an unregistered church inside China. Enfu is not his real name. We are using that to protect his security today. Uh, one of the things that has struck me about the persecution that's happening. Uh, and when we talked last time, these new laws had been announced, but they hadn't been put into effect yet. But already, you and other pastors in China were saying, what is this going to mean? How are we going to respond? What is this going to do? But one of the things that has struck me is this is everywhere in China. Uh, you know, we used to say, well, yeah, in that province, there's a lot of persecution. But over here, the church is, is pretty much doing what they want. This is coming at the national government level. Why is that? Or why that change? Or, or what has motivated the government to say, wow, we have to stop the church from growing? In our understanding and in talking to so many pastors in our alliance, in our gathering, in our fellowship, uh, it's just a climate of control, and they want to control everything. And I think with the new uh, the, the president, uh, the policies of controlling everything, and also with the technology of the internet controlling and the video cameras and the everything is controlled, facial recognition. So they control the Muslims in Xinjiang because of what they have done, and then controlling every every aspect of community. If there's a large gathering, they want to control it. That's just part of how communism, basically, how it works to control. How is the technology? Because I know one of the things that has happened in churches, and some of them have been closed down, is the government comes in and says, well, if you're going to keep meeting, we want you to put a camera. Uh, in one case, they wanted a camera on the platform facing the audience to know who was there. How does the technology affect you knowing that the government is trying to monitor churches, but they're certainly monitoring subways and public buildings and public streets to know that that technology is out there when you're openly and and you're doing something that's illegal you know that you know that the government has that capability to watch you basically anywhere you go how does that affect your mindset or how does that affect the way you do ministry inside china so when we preach it's almost like we have additional audience <laughs> So we are mindful of that, too, that they need to hear the gospel, too. I'm thinking of uh, the past—many pastors now will greet the people watching on the Internet. You know, thank you, welcome to service. And by the way, if you're watching on the Internet, you could almost say, <laughs> and by the way, if you're at the government and you're watching, welcome this morning. There you go. Uh, when you walk on the street, you have a high-definition video recorder. Subway, you have even the audio recorder. So everything is so recorded. So even what you're said, wow. 
in the uh, subway stations, you have that. You can see that there's a receiver. Uh, everything's recorded. Uh, your cell phone, the technology of the cell phone is amazing how it can be tracked. And so that's that. nothing that the pastor can do to, to, to outmaneuver them. And therefore, pastors just have to, like us, we just have to live our life according to what we do as Christians. Just do what we do is right. That means I think it's more important that we don't secretly sin or make a fake out externally. Oh, we're Christian. We smile and have everything good with our wives. And then at home, we fight. Then when, if, 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 if the government is looking, uh, looking at our, our camera, through the camera and say, oh, here's a Christian pastor. He's nice in the church, but at home, he's beating his wife. He's rude to his wife. He's angry all the time. So that's just a bad testimony. So, so, so when one time in the, in, the, in the conference, I told the pastors, you all watch 24 hours. The government knows if you love your wife or not. So love your wife. Be a good example to love your wives in public and in private. I, I think that's an amazing response because you see it. I think for us as Americans, we would say the government is watching all the time. That's terrible. What I hear you saying is the government is watching all the time. That's an opportunity to be a witness. Yes, definitely. One of the pastors that just last year was arrested, Wang Yi, uh, the leader of a large church, he had been very open, very public. In fact, he had written a letter before he was arrested. This is the letter that you can send out after I'm arrested um, because he knew this is probably going to happen. I'm leading a church. It's against the law. I could go to jail. You're leading a church. It's against the law. You could go to jail. How do you process that? How do you prepare your own heart and your own mind and your family for the day if it comes when Brother Infu is the one getting arrested? We need to count the costs. When we become uh, Christians, we're following Christ. You know, men and women uh, spend all their lives uh, chasing after the riches of the world, the wealth of the world. But there is a wealth in heaven waiting. Um, there's the imperishable wrath, the, the, the crown uh, waiting because we know what's at stake. So if we truly deserve hell and punishment, that's why we deserve men. Uh, and yet God lavishes. When he saved us, he lavishes with all heavenly blessings. He gave his son to die for us on the cross. And we, if we know who we are, and how Christ has saved us now, there's nothing, there's no sacrifice. So we're willing to do that because Jesus will say, count the cross, and we count the cross. Uh, importantly is this, if during that time, Jesus was hated. If, if, if Jesus didn't come to have a bed of roses and, oh, you know, just follow me, it's an option, I'll give you the riches of this world. No, he preached and people hated him, they killed him and the apostles, the Old Testament prophets, same thing. So no different than today. So we teach our people, count the cost. J Jesus got it. We are followers of Jesus, same thing. And then we teach our children. So we, it's important in our church as we have family devotion every day, family worship every day. That's the example of the Puritans that pass it down. So we follow that and we teach our children the Bible. And, and we tell our children from young, this is the cost. And when you tell them when they're young, this is the cause to follow Christ. And if death comes, let it be. They are okay. But don't hide it from them and say, oh, everything will be good. If you pray this prayer, God will give you, God will help you, whatever. Tell them from the beginning, this will cost your life and your friendship with the world. 
when you talk about counting the cost for, for you personally, is that something you did and now you're done? Or is it something you do every day? Uh, we, uh, we need to remind our people. I need to remind myself with the gospel. Uh, I believe uh, D.A. Carson said it well. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Gospel is important. Gospel in everything. So if we preach the gospel and when we do family devotion, we tell our children in any chapter, we, we tell them the gospel again, come back to the gospel. When we discipline our children, uh, we teach our people in our church as well to discipline their kids. It's the gospel. Why we discipline them? Because they've sinned, we discipline them. So it's the gospel again with the kids. So for me, we teach, I teach myself when I read the Bible daily, count the cost, what Christ has done, see the glories of the cross, then nothing is a sacrifice. You know, oftentimes taught, people say, wow, you know, I really admire you for what you do and the sacrifice you have. It's actually no sacrifice, honestly speaking, because I know I deserve hell. I really, you know, there's a lot of reasons I, 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 there's a lot of reasons I can find in my head for God to hate me. There's nothing, there's nothing I do that anyone should love me, but yet God gave His Son. And no reason is good enough for God. God gave His Son to die for me, save me, to use me to save others. Nothing special about me. I'm just a tool. And therefore, I need to be faithful to that calling, knowing who I am, knowing what I deserve, Therefore, following Scripture helps me. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Enfu. He leads a unregistered church inside China. What has this current crackdown meant for the average Christian? Have you seen churches shrink? Have you seen people decide, you know what, I'm I'm going to stay home this week? Uh, or has the church really stepped forward in the in the midst of it? Um, it's interesting, you know, Todd, you'd be, uh, you'd be expecting, some people expect that, you know, how many would actually abandon? Because you also find people abandoning Jesus in, 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 in Jesus' time uh, when problems happen. So you see in the apostles as well, Apostle Peter, and then repented, came back. Um, in our church, uh, you see actually people get encouraged when they see that. There's fear. Uh-huh. People are afraid. Um, we're reminded again about the words of Paul to Timothy do not have the spirit of timidity. And so uh, there's one brother, uh, he's a little more afraid, thinking about moving out of the country. But we encourage him. We encourage him that this is the cost. If you're truly a Christian, this is the cost. Let's face it. Um, but we see more encouragement from the members that, wow, this is like X in the book of X. We are like in the book of X. Maybe we, the, the, the X... 29. Not the ministry X-29, but the continuation of right. the story. The continuation of, of the work. How, how do the stories of previously persecuted Christians, you know, I, I think of Alan Yuan, who I had the chance to meet in China. I think of Pastor Samuel Lam. I think of Wang Yi, who's in prison right now. How do their stories encourage the church today as as they see persecution increasing. So everybody knows the story of Wang Yi now. Another one is Pastor Huang in Guangzhou. Uh, everybody has seen the video of him when the police shut down the church, chained up the, the, the door, and he used a, a bolt cutter and sawing it off. 
<laughs> and then uh, some of the securities were just around him. Now, some people think that's crazy. He's fighting, he's challenging the authorities. You see, men like him, Pastor Huang and Pastor Wang Yi, they believe that no one has the authority to shut down God's church. No one. So they, they are an example to every pastor in China. That means that when they are preaching, no one can stop the service. When we are done preaching, we can talk to you. But not while we are preaching, you wait. And then if you have, you have to arrest us, beat us down. But they will not stop. So you will find that videos of Pastor Huang, when the police came in and said, you wait. When I'm done, I'll talk to you because I'm preaching God's word. This is the hour that men and women must hear the word of God. So that kind of story, this is an example of men of God. They're not troublemakers. They're not troublemakers that have been persecuted. They are truly men of God. You can see in their family, you can see in their church, they shepherd the people, they love the people. And that's an example that encourages. And the amazing thing with the technology, you can watch the videos. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like you can read the story of Alan Yuan 25, 30 years ago, but you can watch the videos of these guys dealing with the police. And I like, like you say, that there is love, but there is also God's word is more important than what you're doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God's word first, then we'll talk. How do you how do they prepare and how do you prepare for those encounters with the police? Do, do you see that encounter as you're on the defensive if the police are interrogating you? Or do you see it as God brought me a policeman to talk to today? If the police were to come and they have contacted some of our members, now if they come, uh, we will be very polite. We'll be respectful. Whether they are polite or respectful or not, that's on their, on their part. But we will be Christians. We will talk to them and we will show them Christ's love and the Word of God. We can preach to them that we are not here to overthrow the government. Christians don't overthrow government. It's interesting. If they only read church history, every time they try to overthrow churches, it grows. Yes. So. If it's they helpful. if they read church history, they would stop persecuting the church. Yeah, and and and, and let us, you know, it, it, the the thing about this is interesting. It's interesting is that if they really want to disturb the church, just bring false teaching, <laughs> bring more Christianity, <laughs> all sorts of Christianity, uh -huh. that will be a problem. But instead, they try to persecute. That means you separate the sheep and the goat. Now the real ones are there. And then they will continue to do the work. And through church history, the church will grow. They will always grow. That's how God grows the church. What is the, the current climate and the current persecution? Is that creating curiosity among unbelievers? Is it creating more openness to the gospel as they see the government crackdown? Are the people wondering, why is our government so worried about these people? Is it, is it making open doors? there are those who would say, there you go, see, religion, this religion caused problem. So you find uh, uh, various parts of the community where they think that, there you go, see, this uh, a religion is a tool of the West, tool of America now, they want to, uh, you know, brainwash us. So you, you have that. Uh, but you also have those that say, hey, I want to know a little bit. What do they have to say? They're not that bad. They're not that wrong. I'll listen to them. So you will have that. And in our church, we always have about five to seven visitors each week. And we have a house church. Wow. We have five to seven visitors. Never, Never heard, heard the gospel, many of them. So, And they're just curious. They want to know. Yes, friends bring them and say, hey, we, mainly because they want to know uh, what is the meaning of life, uh, family, 
uh, parenting, husband and wife relationship. So life's broken. Life is truly broken because society there, you chase after money, mm-hmm. money, 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 wealth. Houses are so expensive in big cities. Uh, economy, everything hinges on titles, money, and houses, properties. So families are broken. They never have time for their children. So husband work, wives work, and then children taken care of by grandparents or in the hometown. And then they feel bad and they're not spending time. So on the weekend, they, they shower them with all kinds of gifts. And that's how they, they love their kids, by giving them things. But the children are not disciplined. Their children are not being parent. Now they are broken. Kids are grown up. Families broken. Husband and wife don't know how to love each other. Therefore, church comes in to give them meaning, biblical meaning. What a father should do, what a husband should do, what a wife must do. What are what are the works that that your church is involved in? I know we talked about raising up leaders and training them through a seminary process. Obviously, that's illegal. <laughs> so, so how do you do that? How, how do you get people trained through? a legitimate seminary process in a country where you can't do that. It's illegal. Yeah, we have a seminary. We run a seminary. We run uh, a master's program and a certificate program. We train the men to be uh, uh, pastors, shepherd of a church, churches, and then we also help them to do expositor preaching, biblical counseling, and how to shepherd a church. So that takes systematic theology, biblical studies, pastoral ministry, uh, and then internship. How do we do that? Because everything's illegal in China. So everything is illegal. And it's hard. We have to hide and run. And we have to rent mobile place, Airbnb, and use this place for two weeks, run to another place after two months. The programs are all modular. It's not like in America where seminaries, three years, you go there for the two semesters. You live there and it's, yeah. We, we don't have that luxury. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge to train men for pastoral ministry. We determine to do this no matter how difficult it is. We pour finances, resources. We pour, uh, We bring teachers in to train from, we, we bring godly teachers from America to bring them to China uh, to train the, the people. It's hard, but we now want would, to do that. Would most of the students be working a full-time job while they're doing the seminary training as well? The ones we have, only about 20%. The rest are full-time pastors, senior pastors. Uh, But we determined to have them in China. Mm -hmm. Uh, Majority of students, majority of pastors that have gone to America to study, many of them do not come back. And that is the discouraging thing. You see, if every Chinese were to finish seminary in America and return home, we don't need missionaries in China. They, they, can, they can speak the language, they know the culture, they can do the work. But because they tasted American culture, they, t- they have that white picket fences, the American dream, and therefore they don't want to go home and suffer for Christ. So you have intentionally decided we're going to train within China, we're going to bring people someplace in China. What happens if the police walk into one of those seminary training sessions. Now, that would be a huge problem. Let's pray that it doesn't happen. <laughs> Let's pray that it doesn't happen at all. I'm glad you said pray because we like to equip people to pray. We've talked about some of the challenges. We've talked about churches splitting into smaller groups that meet in homes. What are some of the specific ways to pray for the church in China right now? Please pray for Brother Vic, also a special name. Um, his church targeted 
and uh, they are organizing. They are doing a good work, like our church. We are also reorganizing because of the persecution, the seminary training, the biblical counseling program. All of that are affected right now. So pray that uh, our men are still committed to the work. Uh, churches are not going to compromise because we are under persecution, so we'll do things differently or we compromise. Then we'll just be faithful. And if we get arrested, we get arrested. If we are stopped, we stop. If we lose our job, we lose our job. Some of our members, uh, their bosses have come to them. If they work for the national, with the government, and they work for big uh, schools and universities, they already told them, uh, you don't go to church. So At their, at their job. At so their, their job. boss comes to them and says, stop going to church. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't go with those religion people. Or else. Or else. They just leave it as is. Or else. They get the point. Oh, yeah. And now the, the new one is the homeschool. So we have a dear brother, they have come down on it in the university, he's a professor, and they've said, you need to register your son because the son is homeschool. They said, you need to register. But he doesn't want to. He wants to shepherd his son. He wants to disciple his son in the ways of God. He doesn't want to put his son in public school. It's different public school in China because right. they have to be indoctrinated with communism. He doesn't want that. I want my child to know God's word. So... I want to encourage our listeners to be in prayer for the church in China. Brother Enfu, how is VOM helping the church? Because I know that, that you are aware of some of the work that we have going on there. How, how is VOM involved in encouraging and blessing the church in China? I think by giving a voice. A voice. So the Chinese church has a voice. America knows, American churches know how to pray. That's very important. Uh, besides the resources that uh, that the organization has showered upon the house churches, but a voice, that the underground church has a voice, and it can be an encouragement to American churches to count the cost, to be faithful with the little things that God has given, and to do the work of ministry. Brother Enfu, I want to ask one more question, because I'm really struck by the fact that what you do every single week is illegal. Every week you could go to jail. How do we pray for you? How do we pray for your family? Pray that we uh, that my marriage uh, will be godly, that I can still, with the busyness of ministry, with the busyness of training pastors, with the busyness of running around, and ministry is very demanding, uh, pray that my uh, marriage between my wife and I will be an example uh, that I will be a godly husband to love my wife and parent my uh, children as we are planning to adopt more kids, uh, that we would have a home uh, that will be a, a, a reflection of the gospel as what Paul has told uh, the church in Ephesians. Pray that our marriage will be strong, uh, that we will be faithful with the church to shepherd the people, that we love them no matter how difficult the persecution, the stress of ministry, there's backbitings, there's fightings, all kinds of things that the Apostle Paul has gone through. Uh, we face that too, uh, but pray that we'll be strong and not get into the ways of the world and fight back, but to love, to do the work of God. How does it affect your planning as, as a pastor and when you meet with your elders and you think about, okay, we're going to plan out our church to know that at any week, 
you could be closed down. You could be arrested. Some of your church members could be arrested. Do you think six months ahead or a year ahead, or do you just think this week, this Sunday, this is what we're going to do? How do, how does it affect your planning to be in that environment? Todd, that's a very good question. Uh, in our elders meeting, in our deacons, uh, members meeting, we have membership in our members meeting. So we, in our elders meeting, we talk about that all the time. And then we communicate that to our members as well. So in our planning, we, we are forced to plan for two years and five years. We have to. We don't care if the government would come in and shut it down. We plan as if nothing happens. And we plan for that. Yet we also plan behind what happens when they shut us down. <laughs> and we have to so have like that contingency. Plan A and then plan P for That's persecution. Right. If persecution comes, we'll do this. So you really have to, at all times, be thinking both ways. Literally at all times. You're right, Todd. We literally have to do that. Brother Enfu, what a great blessing to have you and to meet you. Thank you for being our guest again on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. It's always a blessing to talk with you. And I want to encourage you, as I mentioned earlier, the last time we talked with Brother Enfu, I was in China. You can hear that conversation at vomradio.net. Uh, just search for China or Enfu, E-N-F-U, and you will find that conversation. Again, our website, vomradio.net. And I hope that you will make a commitment to pray this week for China. Brother Enfu has given us some very specific ways that we can pray for China. There is so much persecution that's happening all across China right now. And so I hope you'll join me to pray for our brothers and sisters there. And be back with us next week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Susanna Coe's husband, Pastor Raymond Coe, was abducted right off the streets of Malaysia. He hasn't been seen or heard from in more than two years since. How does she keep going, missing him, fighting for his release, and continuing her own work? We first met Susanna in April here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and we're going to hear from her an update on Pastor Raymond Coe's case. We're also going to meet one of their daughters, and I know you won't want to miss that conversation. So be back with us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.